Hey there! This is Vincent Jacob and you're on my podcast, Hanging on Sunset. And can you believe it? It's a new year already? Time flies, am I right? But here we are, staring down the barrel of a brand new year, and you know what I mean. Resolutions. Now, I'll be the first to admit that I'm not a big fan of resolutions. They always seem to set me up for disappointment. I always have the best intentions, but when life gets in the way and I find myself falling short for my goals. But I also get that for a lot of people, a new year is a chance to start fresh and set some new goals. It's a chance to put the past behind us and focus on the present and the future. And as a podcast creator, I know how important it is to have a clear vision and some direction. It helps to keep me motivated and focused, and it gives my work some purpose. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, go ahead and make those resolutions if it helps you. But don't put too much pressure on yourself. Remember, it's about progress, not perfection. And above all, be kind to yourself. We all have setbacks, and that's a natural part of the journey. Don't beat yourself up if you stumble along the way. Just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep moving forward. As for me, I'm feeling a mix of excitement and trepidation about what the new year holds. I've got some big goals and plans that I'm working towards, but I'm also taking it one day at a time and seeing what comes my way. Have so many interests. And it can be overwhelming at times. But I learned to take it one day at a time. There's the podcast, of course. But I also have my analog photography career that I'm trying to start. And my band, Yard of Blondes. I'm happy to say that I've finally found the direction for our new record. And I'm about halfway through. I use my time off in December to refine and write more songs. And it's been a great experience, especially when I spend a few days in a cabin in Lake Heroed. What about a little bit of remote me time? Yes, that's the perfect setting. In the woods, by the fire, with the guitar, playing some tunes, taking the time. Because it's all about that. Stop scrolling, stop being agitated for no reason. Just enjoy it, and that's what I did. And as for my podcast, Hanging on Sunset, there are definitely some new things brewing. I don't want to give too much away just yet, but let's just say we've got some exciting stuff in the works. We'll fill you in on all the details later, because as usual, I'm fucking late. I've still got eight interviews from last year that I need to process and edit. Gosh! How did it get to be January already? But I digress. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Jani Hendrix, the sister of the legendary musician Jimi Hendrix. And let me tell you, if you thought Zoom interviews were tough, try conducting one with a connection that keeps dropping like a roller coaster. This was one of the shortest interviews I've had, and it's not because Jenny was not a great interviewee, trust me. She was fantastic. It's just that the connection kept breaking, and it was a tedious task to try to go 
in depth. Yeah, I'm just so much better in presence when I'm with the people I'm talking to. Feels connected, feels natural. Uh, this was different, but okay, it's what it is. Listening to the interview now, it seems all over the place, but hey, what are you gonna do? That's just the way it is. And despite the technical issues, it's still a fascinating glimpse into the short life of a genius guitar player. Jenny shared with me her insights on Jimmy's life and career, including her own experiences seeing him perform and the process of putting together a book on his life. We talked about the book, of course, which is like a coffee table affair featuring high quality reproductions of pictures and other memorabilia from Jimmy's life and career. It includes rare and previously unseen material like childhood drawings and handwritten lyrics, as well as stuff borrowed from collectors. Um, we also talked about Johnny Halliday, the French rock star. And I was really interested to discover in the book that Johnny had something to do with Jimmy's rise to fame. As a French person myself, I was fascinated to learn that it was actually Johnny who first hired Jimmy on a tour in Europe. And it was because of this tour that they built the Jimi Hendrix Experience Band around him. And that was thanks to this band that it got famed in the UK and then in the whole world. Now, I'll be honest with you, I usually prefer in-person interviews because they allow for a deeper and more personal connection. But even though this interview was over Zoom and had all the technical finesse of a drunk giraffe, I have to say it was a real honor to speak with Jenny on the occasion of our brother's 80th birthday. And let me tell you, this book she's releasing for the occasion is gonna be a must-have for any Hendrix fan. Don't slip on it. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram at hangingonsunset or via email at hangingoutsunset at gmail.com. Here's to a great new year and all the possibilities it brings. Let's do the show. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm struggling hearing you for now, but I think it's gonna. It's always like that a little bit at the beginning. <laughs> so um, I received the book and I had an immense pleasure, like discovering it. The pictures are amazing. The text is very informative. I guess if you're a huge fan or if you're a newcomer to Jimi Hendrix, it's a, a great book for everybody because there's. Lots of information, but also retraces the whole life of uh, Jimi Hendrix. I agree. I mean, it's fun to work on, and uh, there's a lot of great material chronologically from start to finish of his life and his career, and a lot of um, old drawings and handwritten lyrics from his, well, the drawings are from his childhood. So, yeah, it's a great book to have. Absolutely. Like you said, whether you're a fan 
that has everything or one is just starting out. It's a wonderful coffee table book. And I think that the pictures are amazing and the weight of the paper is really great to feel. Um, people are very much into digital, but this is not digital. It's yeah, no. uh, just beautifully done, I feel. No, it's it's a book you actually should purchase to get the chance because like you said, the quality is unbelievable. And I have to say the the reproductions of the pictures are pristine. It's really great. And it, it's actually the best book I have ever seen on, on Jimi Hendrix. And there's a lot of material I've, I've never seen before. So I wanted to to know first, uh, how did you choose? How did you select all the the pictures you, you're going to put in th inside the, the book? Did you have access to unreleased pictures or like hand, like drawings and uh, uh, what, what, how did that happen? Well, um, a lot of the pictures and drawings actually were from my father's collection. He saved everything that Jimmy drew as a child and um, painted and whatnot. And then some things we acquired, we'd been acquiring over the years, um, handwritten lyrics and whatnot. And then some of the memorabilia, like the um, handbills or ticket stubs or whatnot, they're from various um, collectors that all they do is collect like paper, um, whether it be tickets or handbills or whatnot. So we were able to borrow <laughs> for the book to scan them with you know, in a high res form so that they would look beautiful in the book. Well, that's amazing. Um, I would like to go back to your relationship with, uh, with Jimmy, because obviously you were very little when he, he became a, a star. And I wanted to know how it felt for you at this age. And uh, did you get a chance to see him perform? Yeah, I got to see five concerts. Uh, four in Seattle and one in Vancouver, British Columbia, which we all drew, drove up there together. Um, the time before that in 69, um, Jimmy had bought my parents both a car and a truck. So we all rode up in the Chevy Malibu. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people that knew Jimmy well would say, no, no, he only rode in his Corvettes or in a limo. And I said, not that day. <laughs> that day, he rode with us. <laughs> and the managers followed behind us. So I guess uh, the concert you're referring to uh, was a big deal for him because I think it was the beginning of his career, like, like him being a star in the U.S., right? Well, I mean, he had made it in Europe, which was That's definitely his dream when he got with um, Chaz Chandler, who had taken him over to Europe. And he knew the ins and outs of all those venues and different people to meet, you know, help Jimmy meet like Eric Clapton and whatnot. But Jimmy really wanted to make it in the U.S. And God bless Paul McCartney, because he um, is the one that recommended Jimmy to participate in Monterey Pop because the Beatles couldn't make it. Yeah, that's amazing. I read that in the book that uh, none, uh, none of the people on the board of Monterey have heard Jimmy yet, but they trusted Paul McCartney. We said, you should absolutely book Jimi Hendrix. That's how it happens, right? Yeah, well, they were all good friends back then. You know, the Mamas and the Papas, Janis Joplin and Jimmy and the Beatles and Jeff Beck. 
well, even the who had their moments, but they were all, they all hung out together. So there's some certain musicians that were running in the same circles and they all helped each other out. That, that's amazing. I guess you were very little. I was. The first concert I went to, I was six years old. And um, it was very exciting to be able to go to the airport and get him back then. Um, of course, you were able to actually walk out to the plane pretty much. And uh, Jimmy was the last person to come off the plane. So we thought he missed his flight. No cell phones back then for <laughs> someone to tell you that they missed their flight. Um, so everybody had um, disembarked the airplane except for Jimmy and Mitch and Noel. And um, my dad was ready. He thought maybe we missed him somehow. That was impossible. We got there before the plane landed. And so then here comes Jimmy wearing his big hat, a big feather. And uh, yes, and wearing the stage clothes. See, that's the whole thing. It wasn't really about stage clothes, and they weren't necessarily costumes. They were really, that was part of his persona, his everyday wear. So it was part of his wardrobe. I, I guess he, he became yeah. himself in 1966 when he got to England, and before that, he was wearing the costumes of the, the, that the people will tell him to wear because he was accompanying so many bands on stage. And, and uh, he really became himself when he got the chance to, to go to the UK and start recording his own material. And that's when you see the change in the pictures and suddenly Jimi Hendrix is here. Right. Well, when he was um, in the service and the short time after that, before he made it, he said he was a comfortable wearing moleskin suits because that's what was required of him as a sideman on the Chitlin circuit. And, uh, you know, I think really his, his style in clothing came from our grandmother. She was in vaudeville and she had a trunk of her um, outfits and they were all like velvet and trinkets and very blingy and lots of feathers and boas. And so he kind of took, that as his inspiration for his own wardrobe once he made it. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, what's your favorite song from Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a favorite. I feel like I honestly love each and every one of them because they're so different. You know, you have ballads, you have blues, you have even kind of rockabilly things happening. You have... Uh, All kinds. I don't know. I, I love them all. That's why I do what I do is just to make sure that I keep his legacy alive and work on all the posthumous releases. And of course, this beautiful book that you have in your hand. Yes, I'm so happy. And uh, I wanted to ask you, are there any other events or commemoration that are scheduled for this year or the upcoming year uh, to celebrate his Eddie's birthday? Yes, yeah, so we are celebrating his birthday at the Mohai, which is the Museum of History and Industry in Seattle. Um, that exhibit actually started on the 1st of November, and they're going to have like three days worth of partying cupcakes and showing the um, Live at Maui video that we did. And on one of the days, I'll do a Q&A. And we're also doing a concert in... Austin, Texas at the Austin City Limits, which is um, like one of our tribute concerts where we have Kenny Wayne Shepard and Doyle Brumhall and Eric Johnson and uh, a few others that we haven't had before on our tour, but it's just a one night only. 
And um, that's December 4th. And then on December 8th, we are launching our Mont Blanc pen, which we um, had been working on all during COVID uh, via Zoom. <laughs> and so it's, there's three beautiful plant pens um, that also are like, you know, ballpoint, rollerball, and the fountain pen, but they're absolutely beautiful. And they're, they take from Jimmy's wardrobe as well as like, um, a Marshall amp plug or uh, the fender kind of the wah wah the trimmer um, so it's, it's it's a beautiful a beautiful collaboration that we'll be launching then that's so cool so is that your um, your daily life like looking after Jimmy's uh, uh, memory and uh, is that what you do most of your days Um, yeah, it was a promise that I'm fulfilling. Um, when I was younger, there's a picture of Jimmy and I looking at each other. A lot of people say, what were we talking about? We were talking about taking care of each other. So he used to always say, you won't have to worry about anything. I'll always take care of you. And I said, well, when I grow up, I will always take care of you. So we are both fulfilling that promise. Although my thought at you know, six years old was actually, he was going to be here for me to help take care of him. But um, yes, that is our goal. And of course I do have a, um, a family. I have children, I have grandchildren and I, they are part of my daily life too. So um, my hands are full, but to um, make <laughs> music and legacy is something that it is an honor to help take care of and make sure that, Um, beautiful things like the book get done and posthumous CDs and documentaries and whatnot. Are there any uh, releases that you come like music and, uh, and film? Well, this month we put out LA Forum, which was Jimmy's concert in Los Angeles at the Forum. Um, tonight, actually, I'm not, you're in LA, correct? Is that uh -huh. what you said? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we're in LA as well. So we are doing um, an event at Music Head tonight um, at seven o'clock. And in the meantime, right now, because you might hear some kind of uh, background noise where I'm at, I try to find the quietest room, but we're at the Jimmy Kimmel set and um, Billy Gibbons is here with us. And he is going to go perform with Jimmy's um, Flying V. Wow. Uh, that was loaned to us from the Hard Rock in London. And so it's actually Jimmy's actual flying bee that he played. Wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about the book. And uh, there's a collaboration with a writer, right? For the book. You wrote actually some of the words in that in that book. And uh, it's great to have your your input. And I think uh, John McDermott to uh, help doing the, the book. Yes. Yeah, so John McDermott is um, one of my employees. He's worked with me since the inception of Experience Hendrix. He is our historian and also our director of music catalog. Okay, amazing. And I have to say personally, because I'm a French guy, as you can hear, <laughs> and I got the, the pleasure and the honor to meet Johnny Holiday, who was the biggest rock star ever in France. And I read in the book, I knew about that because Johnny told me personally when I met him 
that he 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 was one of the first ones to to see Jimmy perform in the UK, and that when he saw him, he booked him on his tour in France. And Jimmy was opening, and that's when they started to build the the band around him, the the Jimi Hendrix Experience for the first time. And they was kind of rushed because they were not really prepared to go on a tour. Uh, and I, I was really happy to see that a French guy like Johnny Halliday had, uh, you know, uh, something to do with uh, Jimmy's career. He Johnny is so was so full of life. I, I met him as well in France. It's funny that you say that. Um, and he was telling me all the stories and how exciting, what an exciting time it was at that time. And that yeah, he was very instrumental in assisting Jimmy back in that time period. That's amazing. I can't believe how I would have been to see a concert like that in the Olympia in Paris. Jimmy and then Johnny performing together. To, to me, that sounds surreal. Well, thank you very much. I'm, uh, I'm just delighted that I can share the news with my audience and that everybody can discover this amazing book. And I don't want to disturb you more, but thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks so much, Vincent. Thank you. 